0: The Digital Leaders Podcast, Episode 10, Maggie Philbin. Technology is changing the way we connect, learn, and do business. On this season of the Digital Leaders Podcast, we sit down with some of the UK's most influential thought leaders in government, enterprise, and entrepreneurship to learn more about what they are doing to digitally transform themselves and the organizations they lead, why it matters, and what we can do as listeners to build our own prosperous, digitally-enabled and connected communities. The time is now, the place is the Digital Leaders Podcast, and the future is digital. Hi guys, and welcome to episode 10 and the final episode of season one of the Digital Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Ferguson, and today on the show, we are joined by a woman who is rather iconic when it comes to demystifying science and technology here in the UK, Maggie Philbin. Maggie is the founder and CEO of Teen Tech, but is probably more widely known for her role on BBC's science and technology show Tomorrow's World, which was broadcast in the UK for 38 years and recently had a revival show last week that appears to have had many fans asking for the series to return. After spending years meeting and interviewing science and technology innovators in and across the UK, Maggie founded Teen Tech in 2008, a lively interactive event series to help young people, their teachers, and their parents understand the opportunities in contemporary science, technology, and math. Ten years, hundreds of events, and tens of thousands of students later, Team Tech continues to inspire students about the possibilities of careers in STEM and recently partnered with the Department of Digital, Culture, Media, and Sports to expand its programming and event series across the UK. Not surprisingly, Maggie has won numerous awards and accolades for her work, including Most Influential Women in UK IT and an OBE in 2017 for services promoting careers in STEM and creative industries. On today's show, Maggie shares the impact working on Tomorrow's World had on her own beliefs about careers in science and technology, how teen tech is empowering the next generation of digital leaders in the UK, and why she believes that despite shows like Tomorrow's World being a thing of the past, it is imperative that we make understanding the future both accessible and exciting for the next generation. So without further ado, please welcome my guest today, Maggie Philbin. All right, so thank you for being on the show today, Maggie. And that was lovely. Great to join you. So I feel very honoured to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you because you are like British television royalty in a lot of ways.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but I do feel hugely privileged myself to have worked on two iconic programmes at a time when in the UK we only had three and then four television channels. So people didn't really have much choice about whether or not they watched the programs that I did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So they had had to. It was either that or watch nothing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was very different times. Uh, but, But seriously, you know, particularly with Tomorrow's World, it was only, I would say, 10 or maybe even 15 years after... I'd worked on the programme, that I started to fully appreciate the impact and the resonance that the show had had because people would come up and say, oh, do you know, the reason I'm working in tech or engineering or whatever is because of Tomorrow's World. And it felt, well, I mean, I was just always so incredibly touched and moved, actually, when you when you met. And these were people who would be, you know, really serious scientists and professors. (laughs) So it was extraordinary. And all of us who worked on Tomorrow's World felt the same way while we were doing the programme in that we cared so much about it. Whether you were a, a researcher or a producer or a presenter or an editor, you know, the show really, really mattered. And making sure that we reflected you know, the stories properly, that we got to the bottom of what the technology was likely to be able to achieve. I do think it's a massive credit to all of the team, not just those who are in front of
0: the camera. Right. But you know, you know what's interesting is um I was watching a couple of the old episodes and it's (laughs) fascinating to see some of the things that you were introducing at the time and to see how They've evolved so much now and to see how they've even come to fruition, like for you to have been part of that, that is pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I demonstrated the first supermarket barcode reader. I mean, my daughter cannot believe that I am old enough to have done that because as far as she's concerned, the idea that you would have gone into a supermarket and had people ringing up items individually, which is what
0: used to happen, is inconceivable. So interesting. So yeah, what what impact? I mean, you were on the show from 1982 to 1989. And what impact do you think the show had on you? It was a number of things really. I
1: mean, as I've said, I loved working on it. It was incredibly exciting, very very nerve-wracking at times. There was nothing worse than hearing the opening credits roll. And, you know, the opening music and knowing that whatever item it was you were standing next to was not going to work. That was the most horrible <laughs> feeling in the world. But what it did was it gave me access to, you know, you know, really, you know, science and tech absolutely at the sharp end. And also an incredible breadth of, you know, you really saw the application of science and engineering in every industry everywhere right and and I think that was the thing that really hit home was just how massive you know science and tech was and also how different people were because I think like many while I'd been you know at school I'd formed an impression of what people might be like who are scientists and engineers and this was not the reality people had come in innovators developed ideas. Some were university-based, some were individuals, some had set up their own companies, some were ex-apprentices. You just really had that sense of how this was a world that anyone could be part of.
0: Yes. You know, you
1: didn't have to be an egghead to be part of the world. And that was the other thing that I really sort of took away. And now I work with young people because I feel there is still an impression that you kind of have to be incredibly clever to do well in these areas. Uh, Just helping teenagers understand about the breadth of opportunity, about the different career pathways is really important to me.
0: Right. And I guess that's a good segue into one of the things that you do now currently, which is a major part of what you do. And We should give major congratulations to you and your team, because I know, as I mentioned in the beginning, you are the co-founder and CEO of Team Tech. They recently celebrated 10 years on November 12th. So that is phenomenal. Congratulations on that. Yes, I know. Well, I I
1: certainly had no inkling on November the 12th, 2008, that (laughs) I was doing anything other than a one-off event. I thought that's what we were doing. And then it really developed legs of its own and you know now we're working every year we work face to face with 10,000 young people with a quality intervention and indirectly with many many thousands more and the reason we started it in the first place was was just that chasm between the potential in the classroom the opportunities in the world of work, whether you are working for a global company, a startup or for yourself, and just helping to connect the two. And over the 10 years, we've learned a huge amount about the best ways to work with young people, whether you're working with them through schools or through parents. And also the best way to work with companies and we set it up from the word go as a collaborative organisation right. because I've seen a lot of activity happen in silos. So we don't work like that. We work with people. If we're, when we're going into a new region, we will always hook up with everyone who might already be doing things. So we are clearly signposting and amplifying opportunities and yeah it's been an incredible journey and it's quite funny because I go to as many of the events as I possibly can because the students are just so they're just very energizing and yeah. and
0: inspirational and, I mean I see some of the things that they come up with some of the innovations and it actually gets me really excited for the future You know what we just try and do is to channel
1: that that talent and to help Young people who sometimes here in the UK, we have processes in education which don't necessarily lead to the intended result. I mean, it can actually turn some kids off because they start to think, oh, I'm no good at exams, I'm never going to be good at anything. And a lot of this work that we do is with young people who may deeply lack confidence. And we work with those students over a, a long period of time like years because we want to help them understand what they really can do and in some instances you know help them not be defined simply by exam results yes yes where we're able to work with schools in a in what I call a sort of you know quite a considered way the impact on whole school which, and this is something I could never have predicted. We, you know, we've seen in, like, there was, you know, like in one girl's school, the uptake of physics moved from 43% to 87.5%. I,
0: I read that. That's amazing. Yes, it's just
1: extraordinary. And the teachers said it was because the kids could see why they might want to use a subject like physics. They could see where it was being
0: applied. The practical applications of it. Yes.
1: Yeah. And, you know, with the Teen Tech Award scheme, it's very easy with the events to get to make sure that they're diverse. It's always at least 50% female. The events are normally situated in areas of greater social need. So, so they're accessible for everyone. Yes, so they're accessible for the schools and the communities who might most benefit from attending. With the events, quite easy to achieve really diverse attendance. But what's been very interesting is to see how that carries through with both the Teen Tech Awards and Teen Tech City of Tomorrow. Every year with the award programme, at least sort of 55%. Of the participants are female and they come from every kind of school so that is also quite exciting the programs do seem to appeal and within a school so for instance there's a school in Brixton that we've been doing some work with and the, the first year we had I think it was eight students who did the Teen Tech Award program and then other students saw how much they'd enjoyed it. So the next year, and it was done at that stage as an after school club by the right. teacher. So and okay. then the next year, 80 kids signed up <laughs> to be part of it. That's amazing. And, and this year, the teacher is embedding it within the curriculum. And so that's how we achieve our scale. You know, we don't initially work with a lot of students in a school, but it grows very quickly right yeah I mean one teacher described it as being like a bushfire (laughs) which I know is not perhaps the best like a bushfire in a good way way but (laughs) but in a good way yes in a good way and he said you know that's what was happening and Um, how
0: I mean when you hear these stories how does it make you feel
1: I feel very proud of what everyone has achieved because it is A massive team effort. So, obviously, I've got a small team now working at Team Tech, but we have an army of volunteers and companies about over 300 companies, over 50 universities who are involved with what we're doing. And they and the teachers and the students are the ones who are actually doing all of this, (laughs) and they become amazing ambassadors for teen tech. I do feel incredibly proud and we trust the students to present at conferences for us. And I'm a bit like like the dreadful proud parent if I'm watching them. <laughs> you know. I'm just like smiling like an idiot uh, because I do feel so proud.
0: Well, it's understandable because, you know, I was watching some of the, the videos and how The thing is, is that what I love is how empowered the children feel. And I think that's really, really important for them to build self-esteem, to believe that they can go out and really do anything. And I think that's what one of the things that I really, really like is that you're really engaging the students at an age where that sense of empowerment and self-esteem really has a huge impact on their, you know, their belief and what they're capable of. And you really provide this program that reinforces yeah, but, their abilities. And that is huge.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was an important part of what we set out to do because you can't march into a school and go, right, guys, you've all got to be more confident. <laughs> you know, because that isn't how it happens. And you can't say, look, you need to believe in yourself. You need to be confident. That doesn't work. Because people need to do things where they become they gain confidence in themselves Mm -hmm. because of what they're doing and because of the way people react to them. And that is where the change happens. And I was talking to one teacher recently and he said what has been amazing with his kids is that if two years ago you'd said, what do you think you might do when you leave school? They would have just looked at the floor and gone, "Mm, don't know really. But now they've got an answer. Whether it's I want to set up my own business, I'd like to go and work for a tech company, or I, they have got an answer. They may change their minds, and that's absolutely fine. But the point is they can envisage themselves
0: in a future where... Contribute absolutely, and...
1: Absolutely.
0: They can contribute, you know, and where they have a say. I love it. I love it. I wanted to ask you, over the last 10 years, of all the inventions that you've seen, is there one or two that really stick out? I think it's really hard to point I know it is really hard. Yet.
1: But there have been some which are just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. There was one, it was a boy actually, who completely reinvented the hairdryer. Really? Yeah, absolutely. He, his idea was totally awesome. And he built a working prototype of it. That was the other thing that was incredible. And this boy, he's got his own shed in the garden. He's inventing shed, which he had pictures of. And he's a serial, an absolute serial innovator, this lad. And, and I just remember looking at the project and being completely blown away by it. One of the reasons that he had developed this hairdryer was because his mum is a hairdresser. And he was watching her in the salon one day and he was thinking, gosh, you know, the way they have to hold those hairdryers, it's really awkward, very awkward holding something like that. And then he went off down this design journey, which I just thought was completely remarkable. And then you have students who, last year there was a girl who has narcolepsy and cataplexy, which is where you suddenly fall asleep it might happen when you're feeling incredibly excited and you just drop to the floor one of the things that she found difficult was travel so she had designed the kind of travel seat which would just mean that it just made travel for her much more manageable there I mean I just remember that project I mean it didn't you know win but I remember that project because of the way that the student changed you know her mum said you know, she was someone who had really lacked confidence. And then over the time and coming through the Teen Tech Award process, she'd absolutely sort of put to one side any worries or embarrassment she might have about her condition. She was just so proud to show off this amazing solution and very simple solution that she'd found. So that project, it, it was sort of a runner up at the Teen Tech Awards. And but she took it to you know did some more work on it and anyway to cut to the chase she was chosen to represent the UK as a young engineer in the States amazing you know, um, yeah yeah you know but I could go on with story after story um <laughs> and, and I think it it's, it's a combination for me it's the kids who come who have a challenge of some kind in their lives you know their project sometimes is part of whatever it is that is a challenge for them they've they've developed a solution which they've intimate experience of and then as I say when you see how the process itself helps the student and the school we had a lovely email recently from a teacher just saying how valued his students had felt through the whole process It's not about, you know, the Teen Tech Awards are not about winning. They are about the people who we introduce them to, the experiences we provide along the way, which helps them understand more about themselves as well as more about whatever innovation they're developing.
0: I know, I love it. And you know what? The teachers must be grateful for it as well because of the opportunities it has provided their students. You know what I mean? Because it's hard sometimes being a teacher and keeping up to speed on the latest opportunities for their students. Yeah, one teacher's comment
1: was that the you know the Teen Tech Award had reminded her why she became a teacher in the first place, which I thought was a lovely comment. Uh, but. You know, what we try to do is to give these teachers connections and, and also to give them confidence as well, in both in themselves and in their students and help them understand the best ways of reaching out to get expert help. You know, that is something which many of the teachers who, who work with us say that network is really invaluable yeah. And what's been great is has been watching. It's like a teacher in Wales who's now advising the Welsh government. Teacher in Manchester who is has now, you know, managed to get international support. She's going to different countries, and they very kindly credit Teen Tech with having been the instigator for that confidence. And as I say, you know, it's the teachers who are doing the work. Perhaps sometimes. Teen Tech can do is give teachers a bit of a nudge, a bit of a network. Almost like a (laughs)
0: curriculum, even just to.
1: Yeah, yes, we do. I mean, we do give the teachers a curriculum. We give them, you know, when they decide to do one of our programs, whether it's the awards or the City of Tomorrow program, that, you know, they get a very clear set of resources so they can deliver it out of the box. Right. So
0: you're there to say, listen, we can help you deliver these types of things if you're interested, but they have to take initiative yeah
1: they're the ones doing the work with the students Mm -hmm. but
0: we're we provide the framework
1: and contacts and and also I mean right the way down to emails that they can cut and paste and send to people so that you know (laughs) they can ask for help in the right way right Um, you know we 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 just try to provide as much support as possible because teachers are busy I think often, you know, teachers are asked to do all sorts of things, you know, which they perhaps don't necessarily believe are right for the kids. Now, what we're doing is something that we believe is right for the kids, but isn't always measured formally in exam or, you know, by school inspections. The teachers who have worked with us can see how because the kids are working in a certain kind of way, it then impacts on the things that they are being measured for. So, you know, it can be helpful in that way. But, you know, my main aim is to help young people understand the opportunities of tomorrow and how they might really want to take advantage of them.
0: So one of the other things I wanted to talk about, because um, as we mentioned, this is a busy month for you. You've got the Tomorrow's World live show. You're celebrating your 10 years. And you also recently partnered, I think it was last week, with the Department of Digital Culture, Media and Sport to help with their initiative. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit to that and what, what that's all about. Yes. Well, it was great because DCMS
1: sort of came to have a look at what team Tech was doing. What was brilliant was the way they took the time to understand everything so they didn't just come to our award ceremonies they came and they saw things at the sharp end in schools they saw what we did at regional festivals and at innovation days and you know they understood the process and so what they've done is they've asked us to work in five areas where we weren't currently working they gave us some seed funding for those regions so we still have to raise more sponsorship in those areas but it was very helpful to have a kick start it's obviously great to work with dcms because you know that's the way that we can absolutely scale what we're trying to do so we'll kick off with these these regions we'll work with the new local digital partnerships in those regions. So that, you know, there's a bit of join up between what team tech are doing and, you know, what industry wants to do and the things which are really important for the whole economy.
0: I know. Well, it's really exciting that, you know, you started this with a mission to provide students with the opportunity to really see what was p- the potential in the science and tech industries. And now that government has said, hey, we want to get on board too. We think you're doing great things and we want to support you. I mean, it must feel so good to know that you are having this impact on potentially how, how the education system will evolve going forward, which is which is pretty pretty major. Yes, but I think from sort of going to a lot of schools, and I do
1: go into a a lot of schools, that sense that potential was going to waste, that some young people who really have the ability to do great things were perhaps not being best supported. You know, I I really wanted to do something to help change that. And... Did you feel like that when you were in school, do you think? Well, I feel... My own experience at school, I think, has given me insight because, you know, I mean, it's well known that I, like many girls, wanted to be a vet. But I was tripped up because chemistry, you know, I just simply didn't get on with chemistry at school. And so in the sixth form, I, I did an about turn and I did art subjects. And that was just because nobody, I couldn't see any creative way of using maths and physics, which I did enjoy, in a career. So Mm -hmm. I thought, right, well, I better do the things that I seem to be, you know, good at in other areas. And so that's what I did. And I still walk into schools today where if kids are good at science, then being a doctor or a vet or a pharmacist are the careers of choice. And, And I just think, gosh, there's so much more that you could do. And It's not to say that they shouldn't do those things. Um, I'm a great believer in that, you know, that one of the best pathways is through doing the things that you really enjoy. But there are lots of, you know, really quite exciting careers. So I did feel that there was a massive need for better understanding of the things that mattered most because you don't recruit on, you know, have you got a degree from X or how many GCSEs? You know, actually... In a company, those things don't matter as much as your ability to collaborate, work in teams, be creative, be a bold thinker, you know, be able to be apply critical thinking. To you know, Those are the things that really matter. I just really want to help both education, schools and the companies, you know, just be a little bit clearer about the skills which really, really are important and it's not to say that we that exams are completely thrown out of the window but it is to say that there are some people who do not perform well by sitting in front of a piece of paper for heaven's sake on their own
0: right and doing multiple choice for yeah
1: yeah yeah, there are other ways of measuring
0: aptitude uh, and
1: yeah. yeah absolutely you know and staying power and we should be looking closely at that but it's bonkers to think, right, you can just go in with an idea and say, right, you need to change this. You need to provide the evidence. And I think that's what we have done. And this year, this 10th year of Teentech, but it's bonkers to think that you can just go in with an idea and say, right, we just got to do everything differently. You, you need to provide an evidence base. And that's what we're trying to do with teen Tech. We've measured everything. We measure not only on the day impact, but because we work, Long term, with schools and with students, we're very honest about well, what was it that piqued your interest that made you want to keep entering the Team Tech Awards again and again and again? You know, what did the teacher learn? You know, what were the most useful things? You know, which kinds of students responded well to this way of working? And by providing that an evidence base, then you've got a reason. To change things.
0: Exactly. Very true. So we're gonna wrap up, but I wanted to talk to you about tomorrow's world because as we mentioned, you guys decided to do a live show. And I wanted to ask you, do you think that we'd still need to make understanding the future more accessible and exciting for people? I absolutely think
1: that we do. It's never been more important to understand the implications of certain pieces of technology and to you can make informed decisions about everything from climate change to education to whether or not massive tech companies should have access to the data that they are able to manipulate and for you to be able to make the right decision you need to be informed and so much of the So much of what is shared is either completely wrong or it is very biased. And one of the things that Tomorrow's World was and is, is very, very honest and, you know, puts a huge amount of effort into presenting the insight into technology to the best of all of our ability. And that might change because of the insight that we have today, it might be different tomorrow. But just keeping everyone across it is really important. It's not just about inspiring people who might want to work in those areas. It's helping people understand if you're going to cast your vote in the next election, what would you be casting it for? You know, helping people be able to challenge some of the decisions or some of the companies about their actions
0: so a lot of transparency yeah yeah so my last question for you is I wanted to know as you sit on the board of digital leaders what do you think digital leaders should be focusing on in their organizations oh was,
1: oh gosh that's a big question
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I think one of the most important
1: things that any leader can do is to properly understand what people within their organization want and need. And so leadership isn't just about going, right, this is the way we're all going. It's about, you know, if you're going through some kind of a digital transformation, actually asking people, well, what would you want? What, you know, what do you feel you really need? What, you know, what should we be doing, which will make Life within this company, uh, you know, much easier. And then the other thing around this is as a leader, I think, you know, you do have to have a, a sense of the bigger picture. Technology has a massive potential to change the world. And there are so many things, you know, that really do need improving and changing and, you know, more research being done. So having a focus on the big things as well as perhaps the more selfish needs you know in terms of you know companies making profit i think is is what i would like to see people doing and obviously depending on the kind of organisation i mean if you are a local council you may be quite strapped for cash but your focus is on your local community so you know sometimes those decisions may be slightly easier in that context. I just think we just need to think really intelligently about the future, you know, the the problems we're solving. And absolutely, you Mm -hmm. know, we have massive social and political problems. And, you know, we really should be able to sort these out. And so doing things which are for the greater good, that should be where thought is being focused.
0: Well, with that, i will will end there <laughs> that's like a whole new series yep. <laughs> yep. we will change the world yes. <laughs> next time on digital legions we're going to talk about the problems the solutions but for this we're going to leave it there um but now before we before i let you go we're going to go into our lightning round and so i'm going to ask you a couple questions and you're just going to tell me the first thing that comes to mind okay, okay. all right so the one book i would recommend to all listeners, and why is?
1: Oh, oh, uh, that, that's, I'm going to have to pass on that because you're talking to someone who's a literature major here. <laughs> um, I'm going to pass on that question. You're going to have to think of another, that, that's not a quick question for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, all right. The one person I would like to have lunch with and why is? my mum
1: um because very very sadly my mum my mum died in 2010 and so much has happened both for me and my sister that i would love her to have witnessed and so yeah i'd love to have a lunch with my own mum to catch up on and the things that have happened for us
0: the one thing people would be surprised to learn about me is perhaps my my love of chocolate
1: and my love of cats
0: and the advice i would give my 15 year old self would be dive in all right there you go that is it for my interview today with maggie and that also wraps up season one of the digital leaders podcast Now, as always, if you want to find out more about Maggie and teen tech, make sure you head on over to our website, digileaders.com forward slash digital leaders podcast, and you can find more information about Maggie and teen tech there. Now, as I said, that is it for season one. We are done. But if you like what you heard and want to be more engaged in the digital leaders community, make sure you head on over to our website, digileaders.com, to find out the numerous ways that you can get involved. Until next time, I'm your host. Tara Ferguson. Thank you so much for listening and make sure you are subscribed to the podcast in iTunes so you can catch the spring season of the Digital Leaders podcast starting again on March 12th, 2019.